You're listening to the Murder Speaks Podcast, the show that spills the tea about true crime. Here's your host, Wendy Hinbest. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, definitely. I actually, it's funny, I actually watched um, the ones that you appeared. I, my TV's always on that channel. So um, I actually saw the one with Teresa Lockhart. I watched that episode like a long time ago. And I'm like, I didn't, oh, yeah. that's, that's what she looks like. <laughs> Pretty cool. And then I watched yeah. the diabolical one yesterday. I actually did my podcast on that one because I didn't, and I never seen that one before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tyberski. So I, yeah, the one that you were in. So I watched that one yesterday, and I ended up doing my podcast this week on it. So I'm like, that's a really good, interesting story. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, welcome. So thank you. Please welcome my guest, Michelle Lulich. She's an actress who's, who's best known for her lead role in Where Demons Dwell, and for her recurring guest star roles on Travel Channel's Mysteries at the Museum, ranging from the bobbed hair bandit of the 1920s. 1960s woman escaping the Berlin Wall. She can also be seen on the investigation discovery shows Hometown Homicide, Diabolical, and Pandora's Box Unleashing Evil. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You welcome. I'm excited. I'm like, like this is like, like you know, like, like I'm obsessed with the investigation discovery channel. So when I saw, <laughs> when I saw your email, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely want to chat with her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cool. I know it's either like you love it or you really love it. Is exactly. kind of how investigation really discovery it. goes. Yeah. I'm like obsessed with the investigation discovery channel. I watch like all the shows and I'm constantly watching like you know, like all those documentaries, murder documentaries and everything. Like I'm like obsessed. <laughs> so Yeah. That's why I do have a podcast dedicated to just true crime stories cuz I I'm really like it's I find it fascinating. Like, obviously, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like murder, but I find it fascinating <laughs> somebody can actually do the thing that some people do. Like, mm-hmm. what goes through their head, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, to me, it's the psychology of it is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's, um, as an actor, it's like you want to explore different characters and get into their mindset and get into their head. And that's, with those types of stories, it's, it really makes you think, like, how did this person get to that point or yes, what led them exactly. to this? I'm always thinking, yeah. what makes them do the things they do? Like, what mm-hmm. happened to them as a child or whatever the case <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. okay, so Michelle, what's it like acting out true crime stories and playing real people? Yeah, um, so it's, I mean, it's really fun, but more so interesting. I think... Um, there's a fine line between, you know, usually when you play a character and it's a fictional character, you can kind of create them and make them up. But with a real true crime story, it's more about doing the research and finding out who this person is and kind of, you know, reading up on the news articles from when the murder happened. And, um, it's a lot of wanting to be as truthful as possible because you want to, do the family justice because usually they're involved in the show and um, you just want to tell the story and make the audience believe that it really happened because it did. Exactly. No, definitely. Yeah. So like, so like, How does that differ from acting out fictionalized mysteries we see on TV like Law and Order, for example? Yeah, so it's definitely different. I think um, 
it's more so trying to accurately portray them and um, not really give away any details. Because I think that's the thing about a lot of these murder cases is you don't know how they uh, got there. It's kind of like having it unravel for you. And yeah. with um, with Law and Order, it's a lot of like dropping hints and being like, did they do it? Did they not do it? And all of that kind of stuff. And then with true crime, it just kind of plays out reality in the way that reality happens because it happened. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the most fascinating thing for me. Like, like all these shows that we watch on, on the investigation discovery, it's not just, I mean, yeah, there's actors like you, like playing the role of the person, but these are real stories. Like these are mm-hmm. real people's lives that, you know what I mean? That people have actually lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes as an actor, it's, you know, it's a little unnerving. I know when I did Hometown Homicide, a lot, like everyone was telling me that I looked just like the actual woman. And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And everyone was like, you look so much like her. It's uncanny. And I was like, I, it just like, it really, you know, it hits close to home because it's like, this could happen to me. This could happen to any of us. And um, yeah, just kind of wanting to, you know, do your job and not, you know, stretch the truth in any way. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing too. You don't want to make it like too over the top because then it's like, well, that's, that's not really what happened. People like, yeah. that's not really what happened. Because like the people who actually are affected by it would be like, that's not really what happened. What is she, what are they doing? That, that, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so out of hom- hometown homicide, diabolical and Pandora's box unleashing, which role did you enjoy playing the most and why? I think that they they were all very different. I, that was the fun part was that my three characters were three different characters. So um, one of them was the victim in Hometown Homicide. Then in uh, Diabolical, I was the friend um, of the husband. So I kind of was, you know, a part of watching it unravel. And then in Pandora's Box, I was someone who knew... Um, knew the person that went missing and um, was being questioned by police about it. So it's uh, kind of, it kind of is interesting to play all these different characters and it shows how many people are affected when these things happen and um, all the people involved in the story and yes, the murder itself, but also, you know, these are real people with real lives and friends and family and exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess a favorite, go back to the question. Um, it's okay. <laughs> uh, definitely, um, definitely hometown homicide, I think, because I think um, playing the murder victim and kind of, you know, playing her in the beginning when she's in love and happy and then playing her at the end, unfortunately. And um, you kind of go through the journey with the character. I bet, eh? Uh, that must be so much fun doing what you do, like acting out. Like obviously, the, it's not like fun, like in that sense. But I mean, it could be like it, it would be very interesting to try to try to be that person, like be the one that was murdered, for example. That would be. I think that would be kind of like that'd be interesting. That'd be a very interesting role to play. Yeah, and for that one, we had um, some stunt training that we did um, to do the choking scene at the end and um really everyone on set was really understanding they wanted to make it as safe as possible and also film it in such a way so that um the audience can capture the intensity of the moment yeah that's um sure. yeah to get that so um yeah 
Yeah. So, um, and then it's, it's kind of funny as an actor because me and the actor that I'm acting with, like, you know, we'll do the scene and then we'll kind of laugh it off and be like, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's always, uh, definitely a lot friendlier on set than anything in real life. <laughs> yeah, I figured that. I didn't think yeah. it was like murdering anybody behind that or anything. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I have to, I actually, I have to watch that one. I, I, I saw the Bollicle. I saw the Hometown Homicide. I never watched the Pandora's Box one. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, you piqued my interest. I'm definitely going to have to watch that one tonight <laughs> to see because when you yeah. said that you were, I think you said that you were, you were the victim in that one. You were, you were, um, for that one, I was questioned by detectives. Yeah, I have to watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, to do list today for later on today. <laughs> okay, so like, what is your favorite role ever played, and why? Like ever? I, I, ever, I, ever. You've done like the, the the movies, and you've done other show, other short films, and stuff like that. So, what is your? You have to pick one, which I know is a hard question. You have to pick <laughs> one. What would be the your most favorite one, and why? I think my favorite has to be the horror film Where Demons Swell that I did. Um, since a horror film, it was a lot of uh, going into creepy basements and being terrified. And horror movies, my favorite like, genre. Yeah, no, it was just so fun. Also, because that, that was a fiction circumstance, so it was more so of really being able to get wrapped up in the emotion and be scared and... Um, yeah, it's really funny to be standing in front of a camera and just have the director yelling at you like, there's a demon behind you. And then, <laughs> and then you're like running from nothing because there's nothing actually there. Um, so that was just fun to really just, you know, have fun on set and play around and uh, explore emotions without actually having to be scared in real life. <laughs> cool. So like, how do you prepare yourself for a role? It definitely depends on the role. I think for the investigation discovery shows or even um, mysteries at the museum on the Travel Channel, those were all real stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of, um, depending on how much time I had, uh, being able to do some research and read up on articles and uh, really figure out what happened and who this person is. and. Um, if I can talk to the showrunner, talk to the directors. I know for Hometown Homicide, I had a lot of time on set in between filming to kind of talk to the showrunner, and he knew the story better than any of us. So, um, yeah, so just kind of getting any information that you can. And then um, for everything else, um, really kind of, you know, breaking down the character and figuring then more so creating the character and yeah. figuring out who that person might be and um, how they might walk and how they might speak and all of those mannerisms. And um, yeah. Hmm. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what made you want to become an actress? Is it all the fun? Well, <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, um, when I was in Uh, When I was 12 years old, I started at community theater camp. Um, So I got involved with musicals and we did Beauty and the Beast and um, Susical the Musical and all different fun musical productions. Um, And I was never much of a singer. So I 
you know, I was usually in the ensemble, dancing in the background. And, um, but I really, <laughs> yeah. And I really, um, I really connected with acting and I, um, I took a monologue class and I did a very dramatic monologue. I've always been drawn to the dramatic nice. work. So, um, great, yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of, I don't know, it's one of those things where I did it and I got hooked and I haven't really turned back since. Nice. You shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so are you working on, on any current projects right now? Um, so right now, because of the quarantine, there's a lot of productions that are stopped and on hold. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, that's been interesting. But um, I have been able to uh, narrate some audiobooks. Um, so I have an audiobook I did called The Rose Galaxy, which is a science fiction romance story. Um, and that is going to be coming out soon. Um, not exactly sure yet, but within the next month or so. So I'm really excited for that. And then I'm working on another book from the same author. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So what is some advice you would give to someone aspiring to become an actress? I think I would really just tell anyone who wants to act to get your hands on any reading material, books, um, videos on YouTube, just kind of dive into it. And there's so much, um, research you can do and there's so many resources now yeah, for sure. uh, really just learn everything that you can whether it's about the craft or the business um and the more that you learn and the more that you talk to people you realize that um you know it is possible and it is a a path that is available to us i think if you don't know any artists or actors in your life it could be hard to think that it's an option for you to do but it definitely is if you just, you know, look into it and get started and audition for everything in the beginning and eventually it'll pick up. Nice. Is that what you did? You basically just auditioned for everything and then things just started coming your way kind of thing? Yeah, I, I started, you know, I did some background work. I did um, some student films and just kind of try to find any opportunities. And it really just builds from there. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. So... Where can everybody find you online, Michelle? Um, you can find me on Instagram mostly um, at Michelle Lulick, which is L-U-L-I-C. And um, yeah, and then I'm on Facebook and um, yeah, basically just type my name into social media and you should find it. <laughs> That's true. I was actually looking at your website today. It's pretty, pretty, nice, pretty nice looking website. Thank you. Michelle Lulick and there you were. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Easy to find her online, people. Not, not hard to find her online at all. <laughs> awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really, really enjoyed talking to you and hearing all about your, uh, and your, all your stuff that you've done. Um, I wish you well. I, I think that you're going to do fantastic. You seem like you know what you're doing. So <laughs> you <seem very laughs> passionate about, about, what, about what you do. So that's fantastic. So, um, okay. Well, I will definitely be following you on Instagram. And uh, All right. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks again for joining us on Murder Speaks. Yeah, thank you so much. No problem. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, let's get to this week's true crime story. So today's real crime story is about 19-year-old Erica Case from Terry Hot, Indiana. September 5th, 1998. Erica Case was house-sitting. She invited two boys over. 
Clint Mackey, and Isaiah Dooley. Erica Case and Isaiah Dooley were best friends. They were all swimming in the pool and partying. The next morning, her sister found her dead. She had 33 cuts to her body. The knife was missing from the scene. The police bring the two boys, Clint Mackey and Isaiah Dooley, in for questioning. State your name, Paul Mackey, will please? Clinton B. Mackey. On the night in question, did you have occasion to meet up with uh, Erica Case? Yes, Who was with you? Isaiah Dooley. Let's start how long you and Eric has actually been friends. From sophomore high school. Probably talk to her almost every day and probably see her at least two to three days out of a week. We're going to go out and swim and drink and, you know, just goof off and have a good time. Okay. He kept saying, man, I'm boring you. Just that he kept repeating himself. That's what made me feel weird, you know? Okay, he can't to have sex with her. Yes. Clint says Isaiah was the last one to see Erica alive. Isaiah says when they left, she was alive. They both tell different stories. Clint was in a car accident, but Isaiah did not know anything about the car accident. Clint drove Isaiah home first, then drove home. But Erica's dad tells police that Isaiah told him that when Clint dropped Isaiah off, Clint told Isaiah that he was going back to the house to get the beer they left behind. So Clint went back alone. Detectives go and talk to Isaiah, but he refuses to talk to them. Isaiah's friend says that Isaiah told her that Clint tried to put the moves on Erica, and Erica said no, and apparently Clint got angry. They try to talk to Clint's grandfather, but he refuses to talk to them. Good morning. Mr. Mackey? Yeah. Good morning. My name is John Moss. I'm with the Sheriff's Office. How are you? Yeah. Well, we reopened the Erica case file, and we got two guys kind of pointing their fingers at one another, and we're digging into it again. So then, if you've heard from Clint lately or know where he's at, or... I know where he's at. Heard from him. I'm sorry, you have. I really don't want to hear from you folks. We just want to know all that we can to try and figure out what happened, Mr. Mackey. A girl I don't is dead. really think that they ever originally wanted to know what happened, and I don't think you want to know now. Well, we do, and he, we weren't involved in this before. Go away. How long are you going to protect his sorry ass? Protect shit. Get off my property. Clint's ex-girlfriend tells detectives that he used to abuse her. She placed a restraining order against him. What's your history with him? We dated. Did you ever have a problem? Did he get upset if you ever told him no? Yes. Very badly. I like that. I like it. Was it scary? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would. Probably two or three times hit by me against the wall. And he got a look in his eye. It was almost his eyes turned black if he would tell him no. I mean, it was almost evil. They talked to other girls who say that Clint raped and abused them. The DA offered Isaiah immunity to talk to them. How long were you and Clint kind of friends or kind of just as I would say maybe a month. So not very long. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. When you guys pulled into the Burrises, there was no no cars bumped each no. other, no cars hit each other. I was never with him if he got into an accident. Okay. And he, did he ever make any mention of no. that to you? And you're sure of that? Positively sure. Do you remember telling Mr. Jury Case that at some point Clint told you he went back to get the beer? 
No, I don't. When you left the verses for the final time that night, do you remember if you went by yourself or you know if you left Clint behind and came back or what the deal was? I don't. Okay. No, for sure. Do you remember about what time that was? No. no. Come on. Did you leave any at any other time? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying my best to remember. I don't. I'm puzzled here. <clears throat> Yesterday you told me that Erica was your best friend. Yes. Would she be in here doing what you're doing to us right now with this, I don't remember, I'm not sure? How often does your best friend get killed? We didn't. I understand that, sir. Let me just ask this question. No, no. Let me lay ground rules. You'll treat with respect. I am. No, you're not. I am. Your relationship now with Clint Mackey is what? None. None. And let me ask you something. When we talk to Clint, who do you think he's going to say did this? He is going to blame you. Ask your lawyers right now. It's time to cowboy up here, pal. This is the time to clear yourself. That's why we're here. I'm right? telling you. I mean, this is the night a woman was killed. You're the last. And I was not there. He's not going to speculate anymore. If you don't want to ask him about something he saw or observed, but he's not going to speculate anymore. The police talked to Clint's friend. So when your encounter occurred with Clint Mackey, where were you at? Clint came over one evening and said, I need somebody to talk to. Will you take a drive with me? And he took me like out in the country and I remember like we parked in between like two cornfields and then he just started crying really hard and I was like, what's going on? And then he asked me if I had heard about the Erica Case situation. He talked about how him and some guy named Elijah, Eliza, Isaiah, Isaiah and that she was house-sitting and that they were on drugs. Did and he specifically say what drugs or? He said they were tripping. Okay. And that he had asked her out and she told him no one laughed at him and he got angry and he went on to describe about how when he came to like he realized he had blood on his hands what else does he say about that that he had bloody clothes in the black back of his closet okay at that point i started to get scared because that's when he told me that if i ever said anything he hurt me let me ask you this do you think mackie could have done this i think he did do it you think he did do it i do after that interview they decide it's time to talk to Clint. You brought the cops around here. You ran my name again down through the mud because this is a little town. Clint, oh, calm down. I got kids to go to school here. They know everybody. This is bull. Son, you're the last person to see her alive. I was not the last person to see her alive. Isaiah went in there and dropped off her keys and we left. I was not the last person to see her alive. I sat out there in my car. He went in there and I thought maybe he was pinching from her bag of weed. And there's something mentioned about acid. Y'all got a hit of acid. I didn't get that acid. I didn't think, I didn't see anybody taking any acid. Okay. Okay. We went out there, we partied, had a good time, went and got her car, brought it back, went home. There was contact between your car and hers. You've got a broken front lip lens. You remember? I, I don't know. I don't remember hitting the car. You know, I don't I don't remember. That's not something that I remember. I wouldn't, I was pretty dumb. When you brought her car back, how long did he stay inside? Uh, he was in there a few minutes. This could be important here. When he came back out, did you see blood on him? No, I didn't see no blood. He was—he didn't have no blood on him. Did he have a knife on him? No. When they talked to you 15 years ago, you said you get on Erica, felt her breast, and and then the pool, yeah, yeah. And pool. And we agreed we was gonna have sex. Oh, really? Then she got sick. Yeah. Then she got sick. Okay. She threw up. What did you think when she said when you weren't gonna have sex? I mean, I know how that can be when somebody. Says, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried about. It. I, was, I had a girlfriend. Do you know a girl named Penny? Remember a girl named Penny? You went over to her house and talked to her at some point? Penny? No, we weren't that close. She said you guys 
went for a ride and you talked about this and you started to cry? I don't remember. Do you remember telling her that you woke up and you had blood on your hands? No, no, I've never, I never told her that I had blood on my hands. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Can I, can I show you this real quick? Did you ever see Erica like this? She was stabbed 33 times, throat cut. How terrible is that? You know what I mean? We want to find closure to this. Are you sorry? For what? For this. I didn't do this. Even if you didn't do it? I didn't do this. What happened? I didn't have nothing to do with it, and you're not gonna, you're not gonna push me into I didn't, I didn't do that. I partied that night, we left. I didn't do that. He tells them that they never did acid, and he never got into an accident. But in 1998, Clint said there was acid, and there was an accident. He tells them Isaiah came out of the house clean, with no blood on him whatsoever, which is impossible if you're the killer. So Isaiah is in the clear. January 21st, 2014, Clint went to the police station and confessed to killing Erica Case. This is something that shouldn't happen. Something did happen. And uh, her family needs closure, and so does mine. How many times do you think you've done LSD? One time. Just, one so, time. just that night? One time. Yeah. So we then, damn, got her car so that she has a way to get home. Came back, sat out there, and I waited on Isaiah. Uh, he uh, came out to the car. Um, I tried to say I'm off one. I got a bag of cigarettes, got some gasoline. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand what the hell. I don't. I don't know what happened. Let me ask you. I. I honestly don't. I don't. But for some reason, you went back up in your car. I went back in there, guys. I went in your car. I went in my car. I went in there. I walked in the house. I grabbed the knife. I walked right over and I killed her. And I. I didn't talk to her. I didn't ask any questions. On July 20, 2015, Clint Mackey pled guilty to the murder of Erica Case, and he was sentenced to 40 years in prison. He ended up dying in prison. He committed suicide by hanging himself. Clint Mackey was 18 years old when he killed Erica Case, and he was 33 when he confessed. This poor girl, I can't imagine what was going through her head when he returned. I mean, getting stabbed 33 times. He finally confessed. I'm not sure if he confessed because he knew that they were onto him or because if he felt guilty. But at least now, the family is at peace. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's True Crime Story. If you like it, please share it. Sharing is caring. And if you are a true crime addict like me, Check out my store, crystalkiss.com, that's crystal with a K, for some murder merch. I sell t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, and tank tops. Free shipping on all orders, so check it out. Next week, I'll be chatting with author Jack Alhai, and you don't want to miss it. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for listening. Bye.